Welcome to the Management Minute with Dr. Donita Brown, where we sit down with business leaders to gain valuable insights and advice on how to navigate the world of management. Whether you're a seasoned manager or just starting out, this podcast is for you. I'm Donita Brown, a professor in the College of Business at Lipscomb University. I'm also an author, speaker, and habit coach. For almost 20 years, I worked in corporate America. I managed teams of two to 102. Welcome to this week's episode. Today's guest is Greg Sanford. Greg, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So let's start with your one sentence bio. And knowing your background, I'm excited to hear what your sentence will contain. I will say it this way. 43 years of management experience in a very challenging but rewarding industry called retail. And retail has changed a lot, I'm sure, in those 43 years. Completely changed. When I started, department stores were the store. There were no specialty stores. There were no Walmarts. There really weren't any Amazons of the world. The internet didn't exist. We did have some catalog businesses. Sears had a big catalog business at the time. But other than that, department stores were the king. Now, your last position in retail was at a company that many people in Nashville find near and dear to their hearts. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, Tractor Supply. Interesting that, you know, how I came to Nashville. You know, it was through a knowing of a friend of a person of another friend, kind of a scenario. And uh, it was someone that knew actually Joe Scarlett. Oh, yes. And that uh, was the former president and CEO of Michael Stores, which, who I followed there. And they were good friends on an organization called RELA, Retail Industry Leaders Association. Mm. Make a long story short, that's how I got connected. I interviewed. I came to Nashville after we had sold, unfortunately, sold uh, the Michaels company to private equity. Not that it was a bad thing, but they had different ideas about how to grow the company than I had and some of our management. So most of us left. And at the time we were looking, this, this ironically, this tractor supply thing popped up. I was aware of the company because my mother-in-law had property over in um, the northwestern corner of Tennessee, hmm. just not too far from Clarksville. Okay. So we would go into Clarksville to shop the tractor store for things for her property. Mm-hmm. So being familiar was helpful. Sure, sure. And how long was your career at Tractor Supply? Oh, gosh, almost 14 years. Wow. And a lot of changes in there, too, I'm sure. Well, the changes were, I think, positive changes mm-hmm. because when I came to the company, we were still operating like all the other farm stores, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit hand to mouth, a little bit uh, less sophisticated. Really, we're kind of running the company based upon what was the knowledge base in the stores organization. And those who had been at the company for a period of time. So it was a lot of historical, this is the way we've always done things. But the company was struggling a little. And uh, one of the reasons I came is because Jim Wright, who was becoming the CEO, he was succeeding Joe, said, listen, we need change. And we need some new thought. And Jim said, I'm really good with you know, the stores organization, but I'm not really great with supply chain, with merchandising, mm-hmm. with marketing. And what can you bring? And so between the two of us, it was really a good match. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Are you ready for question number one? Go. All right. How do your values impact your management philosophy? In my opinion, it's everything. Mm. The first value that uh, I would look for in anyone that I was looking to either recruit or interview was ethics. I'd Mm. ask them some questions about ethics. How would you handle this? What would you do in a situation like this? And so on and so forth. You have to be in management. You have to be above all the other craziness that goes on. And you have to make decisions based upon the information you have and to the best of your ability. But it has to be ethical. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you just can't, you can't trade that for anything. And I would, I even talked to that in some of the, the students I talked to of the MBA courses here, ethics are number one. You lose that, you lose everything. I think second, I would say communication. You've got to know how to communicate with people and you have to be able to talk to people at all levels. You know, from the market analyst all the way down to the part-timer that's working in your store. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to relate and communicate to people. And I thought that was one of the things that I, I, I was fairly good at. I practiced it a lot, meaning I was out in the stores a lot. And, you know, the questions that comes from a part-timer or a person in the store is very different than the analyst community. So you have to know your audience. I think beyond that, teamwork. You cannot accomplish anything in an organization that size or maybe in any size without good, solid teamwork. Everybody pulling in the same direction, understanding the strategy, buying into the strategy, supporting the strategy, even though there's twists and turns. You know, it's not always perfect. But I think the teamwork aspect, uh, you know, lifting others up so they can be successful, that's important. And we, we did a lot of that at my former company, Tractor. That was one of the big things is we worked in teams all the time because to solve problems, there's no one person that has the answer. Multiple inputs from multiple areas, you can typically find a better solution. So teamwork's important. I think the last thing I would just say here is embracing change. Mm. It is constant. It will be forever. To continue to do things the way you've always done them and expect better results, we know what that means. Right. <laughs> Definition of insanity. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think you have to understand that change is a good thing mm-hmm. and you need to embrace it. And if you embrace it, those around you will embrace it. And then, you know, they're more open to doing things differently. Like I said, when I first came uh, to the company, is what, this is the way we've always done things. And I had to, you know, get people to say, hey, let's... Give me a chance. Let's try something different. Let's let's look at it this way versus the way we used to look at it. And and small wins add up to then larger wins. And then eventually you can ask for the big ask is what I used to call it. You know, a big strategic change or something that we're going to do differently. And we had one of those in the stores organization. It used to be that store managers would do all the ordering of their, their feed and food because they knew the customer better mm-hmm. in their store than anyone. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, our turnovers... <laughs> And those categories was lacking. And uh, we were having a lot of product that we had to throw away because it was basically sitting on the shelf aging. Mm. So we asked one region to work with us and try a test. Let's use our systems sophistication. Mm. Let's see if the systems can operate. Well, lo and behold, we made it work. Mm. It went from one region to the next and finally went to the entire company. That was a huge change and a chance for a lot of these store managers to give that up. But it worked. And it was small change, little things at first, and growing it out to being a big change for the company. And I bet that also was dependent on good teamwork and excellent communication. Absolutely, both ways. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a reason why the offices here in Nashville are called store support. Mm. That's what they're for. It's not a corporate office. It's a store support center. The action, the customers, the business is run out in the field. Mm. That's great. Different, a different mindset as well. One of the things I've always heard about Tractor Supply is you really do embrace servant leadership, the whole concept of servant leadership. Do you Sir, want to talk, talk yeah. a little bit about that? Well, it's the upside-down pyramid. Right. And uh, CEO uh, and senior management at the bottom, at the mm. smallest point of the tip. As you work your way up the pyramid, it gets larger, and at the top is the customer and the team members in the stores. That's where the mass of people are. So if you understand that your job is to make those above you successful and then those above those and and it just kind of trickles its way up, people can embrace that. 
because when I would go visit stores, I go to the distribution centers, you know, I was not, oh, it's the big boss. Mm-hmm. I was Greg and I was one of the team, okay, trying to learn from them how we could make their jobs better, how we could take some you know, pressures off of them, how we could operate more effectively. Mm. I would always take all the notes, by the way. So, <laughs> you know, but we, but that, that upside down pyramid of servant leadership works in many, many ways. And it gives people, it, it empowers people. Sure. And it really is, it's a very powerful methodology that I would wish more companies would adopt. Absolutely. Have you found that a servant leadership approach helps people embrace change better? Well, you know, I said earlier, you look for small wins when you're in senior management with the entire organization. And when you ask them to do something that seems to be out of the ordinary, if you've had a few small wins up to that point with them and you build trust, Mm. the word trust is important here with servant leadership, then that trust translates over to, okay, we can step out and we can do that because I know from the servant leadership model that we operate by, he's got my back or she's Mm -hmm. got my back. So you build that trust, and when that trust occurs, you can pretty much ask for anything. That's great. Thank you. Ready for question number two? Go. Who or what has had the most impact on your management style? It's a great question. I would say three people. First, my grandfather. Hmm. He taught me the lessons of, you know, outwork those around you. Whether it was playing baseball in high school, whether it was, you know, Starting out in business as a trainee, I would outwork everybody, you know, and I was kind of, I kind of became, a, I'll be happy to say this, you know, kind of the go-to guy, you know, if yeah. there was an issue, they'd come to me. That was number one. Number two, I think is my dad. Mm. I could always feel like I could talk to him and he would give me his honest opinion. And sometimes I may not have agreed, mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly when I was going to buy my first home, <laughs> but uh, he was right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that knowledge base that he had, I learned to respect. And before he passed a few years ago, I spent, I retired early to spend time with him because I really wanted to hear more about his philosophy on life. He and my mother married 70 years. It's a long wow. time. And there's a lot of things there that he could tell me that we probably had really never talked about, you mm-hmm. know. And so it was a wonderful 18 months I had with him to really just listen, learn, you know, and, and so my dad was a big influence in the standpoint of he was a big believer in servant leadership. He was an executive, uh, the newspaper, the Courier Journal, Louisville Times, when he finally retired. And he would talk about the challenges they had with you know, dealing with the unions and all the different things. And he would always say, you rise above. You, know, mm. you don't get caught in those kind of things. And he said, you know, you have to you make decisions. You're in a management position. You make decisions to the best of your ability at the time that you're asked to make that decision. And you can't look back. Keep looking forward. Hmm. And then the third was a gentleman named Tom. And, and Tom was one of my first, I'll call it managing like divisionals. And when I became a buyer, which was a big deal back in the early days of department store business, Tom Austin was his name. And he was our, my divisional. And he was one tough guy, meaning he expected absolute perfection. And he, he was just tough, but he was fair. Hmm. And he taught me, you know, that tough love thing about, you know, when you make a mistake, you don't do something. It made me, makes all the sense in the world for the business. He'd pull you aside and he would let you know, and he would work with you. And uh, unfortunately, you know, when he retired, he only had a couple of years before he passed, but I stayed in contact with Tom the entire time after he left the the organization, whatever. And he taught me to be tough and he Hmm. taught me, you know, mentally tough, not, not 
tough to the extent with people. He he was very kid gloves with people, but mentally he was one of the toughest guys I knew. Mm. And uh, the guy would work unbelievable hours to just find you know, what's the right solution. How do we take this to market? You know, I remember one time I, I did something, I bought some product and Tom looked at me and said, Greg, he says, uh, I don't think that's most, you know, one of the smartest buys you've ever made, but let me tell you how we can work our way out of this. Hmm. I said, what? He goes, I want you to go back to the manufacturer, renegotiate the price down and buy another like, you know, 5,000 dozen of this, whatever item. I looked at him. I said, Tom, you can't be serious. He goes, trust me. We did. Went back, brought it in, dropped the price point because we had bought it at the right price and we sold out of everything. And I said, God, this guy's a genius. You know, how did he know that? Well, that was, you know, Tom's experience. And what he taught me was you can make lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. The old saying. So I did learn that at a very young age. That's great. Before we get to the next question, let's pause for a quick message about Lipscomb University's College of Business. Getting your MBA is a big step, an exciting step, and possibly a scary one. With so many paths at your doorstep, why do you want to get your MBA? Statistics show that the most common answer is an increase in salary or lifetime earnings. But at Lipscomb, we believe that getting an MBA opens an entire world of opportunities. Opportunities that can change your life or even the world. Working in business isn't just about numbers and a corporate paycheck. It supports families, creates jobs, steers the economy, and gives back to the community. That's because we believe the real power of business is its ability to make a difference, drive outcomes, and provide realities that were once just a dream. Not just for you, but also for those you touch. You can see it in our core values, but more importantly, you can see it in our daily interactions. From the professors you'll learn from to the students you'll learn with, it draws similar-minded companies to us and helps our students build meaningful networks that exponentially empower them well after their time here. Learn more and apply at lipscomb.edu forward slash business. Ready for question number three? Yes. What book has made the biggest impact on you? It's only two books. Jim Collins, Mm. years ago, I was given, you know, good to great. I read it and I thought, wow. And then a few years later, Jim Collins went back and did some research. You know, How the Mighty Fall. (laughs) I read that book and I said, wow. So the lessons learned here between what Jim Collins found out was that, you know, this word hubris can destroy you and can destroy companies. Lack of humility, lack of, how would I say this, self-esteem. You know, there's a lot of things people sometimes with success believe that I figured it out. Mm-hmm. I've got I've got the magic formula. Well, I wish I could have said that the 43 years I was in business, but it, it, it was never the magic formula forever. Right. And um, those two books, even though they're old now, they still have some great learnings in them for young executives. You know, another book, anything on servant leadership, I would tell you is worth reading. I've read a lot of them. And I didn't even realize I was really practicing servant leadership until I kind of recognized it, you know, through reading a book one day. But I think there's a few books out there. 
I mean, I've got a library at home of a thousand, over a thousand books. I counted them this past week. Oh, wow. Business books. People have sent me. I bought myself. I mean, I, I'm an, I love to read. And a lot of things, you'll pick it up and read it, and you go, yeah. nah, not so sure. There's a handful, though. And, and Collins did, the like what I liked about him is he did the homework. Right. He really went out there, spent the time in these companies, got to know them, you know, poked at them. And um, that's why I think his two books are worth reading, even to this day. Great recommendations. Thank you. Are you ready for my favorite part of the podcast? Go. All right. So 60 seconds, rapid fire questions. Your job is to get through as many questions as you can. You get one pass. Ready? Ready. All right. Which of your five senses would you say is the strongest? Sight. If you had a warning label, what would it be? Hot. What is your family mantra? Do it the right way. What was your first job? Stock boy. What do you think you would be terrible at? An accounting job. What's the worst job you ever had? Stock boy. What's your favorite season? Uh, Spring. What's your favorite coffee drink? Caramel Lacchiato. What's the best part of your day? Uh, The morning. I'm a morning person. Do you like cities or rural areas better? Honestly, rural. If you could relive relive any decade of your life, which one would you redo? Probably my mid-30s to mid-40s. What's the best gift you've ever received? My children. Do you have any daily or weekly rituals? Uh, yes, coffee with my wife in the morning, and we try to do lunch once or twice a month. It's the two That's of us. Great. That's a great thing to end on. Your job now is to give parting advice to managers. You've obviously had a lot of people work for you in your career. I would say they worked with me. Well, as, as a Clarify. true servant leader would with, say. Not, yes. work, not for. Yes. Thank you for that clarification. You know, and that's interesting because I have always heard great things about tractor supply and their servant leadership, as I mentioned earlier. But, you know, you just really do show that it wasn't just something that you heard. Tractor supply really did live servant leadership. So you worked with a lot of managers in your career. Mm-hmm. What's the best advice you would say you would give them? It's very simple. You've heard this a million times. God gave you two ears and one mouth. Listen more than you talk. That is great advice. And that's a wonderful thing to end on. Craig, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Management Minute. We hope you enjoyed this week's interview. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend or colleague. If you have suggestions for future guests, please send me their contact information to donita.brown at lipscomb.edu. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you. This podcast is powered by the College of Business Content Creation Studio at Lipscomb University. 